I don't know if you remember back many years ago when, when people began to do seminars and write books about success. One of the keys was to dress for success. And, and I thought about that and I thought, you know, the times have changed where it comes for the dressing for success than when I was a child. I can remember my, 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 my uncle Henry, uh, who basically he and my aunts raised us in, in many ways. And, and he, he was never at the dinner table without a tie and, and, uh, always, always, uh, uh was dressed impeccably. And, you know, it, it, you look at people that would get on airplanes, everybody would have ties, but that's all changed. Now, to dress for success is to have uh, maybe designer jeans and, and so, some of the shirts that, that, that people wear. And, and that's just as fashionable today as it was to wear a suit back in my, in my, my childhood days. And so the outside has changed, but the inside hasn't. And I think that's why God spoke to my heart. And he said, I want you to teach on dress for success from the inside out. You know, the Bible says that man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. And I want to talk about how to clothe ourselves biblically for success in every area. So read with me in the book of Acts chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priest and the certain of the temp, uh, uh, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. These are the disciples being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, the number of men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass that on the next day, look look at that right there, Uh, the number came to be about 5,000. And if you look at on the day of Pentecost, there were, there were thousands added. And so it really does, just a side note, really does kill that, that false Christian thinking that the Jews as general, in general, rejected Jesus. Thousands and thousands of Jews received Jesus as their Savior. There was something that happened in time. Okay. And it came to pass that on the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and many of them were families of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, I want you to think with me before we move on that this was a time in uh, just a few days after they arrested Jesus. He was, he was falsely accused. He was brutalized physically, beaten physically beyond anything anyone could imagine. The disciples all saw this. He was nailed to a cross, a spear shoved in his side, a crown of thorns shoved into the bone of his forehead. And they have already said, if anybody follows Jesus, what we did to him, we're going to do to you. So this is not being laughed at because you pray over your meal or being, being uh, 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 mocked because you don't do drugs or you don't sleep around or you don't do anything and you say, no, I'm a Christian. This is a point of people being horribly murdered and yet they're standing up for Jesus. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power, by what name have you done this? 
Then Peter, filled the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers and people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for the good deed done to the helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. I like Peter. He's not, let, he's not letting them back him down. In what name did you do this? Peter could have said, uh, I don't know. You ever see people pray over their meal? Are you praying? No. <coughs> We need to be people bold, not obnoxious, but bold. When, you, when you're on an airplane and you're in a cafeteria, bow your head and say, Father, I thank you that you provided this food for me and that heathen sitting next to me. No. Christians, it's time for us to come out of the closet It's time to let people know that we are proud to be born again and we are proud to be Judeo-Christians. Look at what he said. By what means did you make this man whole? Peter could have done anything. They were going to kill him. And he said, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now remember, they were threatened. They saw what they did to Jesus. And then he goes on, whom, by the way, you crucified. And may I add, who God raised from the dead. You can just see Peter shoving it in a little bit more into the, into the rib. By, this man, by him, this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which a man may be saved. And let me reiterate what I said in the opening here. We should love everybody. We should love people who are Hindu, and we should love people who are Muslim, and we should love people who are Buddhist, and we should love them. But we should love them so much that we would tell them with love, if you're looking for real happiness, that happiness can only be found through the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you cannot get to him except through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I got nothing against your dead God, but our God... God rose again and is alive and sitting on the right hand of the Father. And we are not, a, we ought to love people enough to tell them the truth. Can I have an amen? Now look at this. Nor is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other na- name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now let me stop right there and just throw this in. The word salvation and I, I, I won't take time to teach them. The word salvation in, in, in our Bible is the word sozo. And yes, it means forgiveness, but it goes beyond forgiveness. The word salvation is the word prosperity. It's the word victory. It's the word healing. It's the word health. So let's go even, even beyond between someday in eternity. If we'll tell the world the answer 
The answer to your poverty is Jesus Christ. The answer to AIDS is Jesus Christ. The answer to disease is Jesus Christ. The answer of murder is Jesus Christ. Because let's say there was no eternity, but we know there is. Everybody who follows Jesus is in a different world than the rest of the world. The teachings of Jesus Christ brings prosperity. It brings peace. It brings healing. It brings wholeness. It brings joy. It brings happiness. And you'll not by no other name shall you be saved, healed, prospered. He is the name above cancer. He is the name above racism. He is the name above hatred. He is the name above sickness. He is the name above disease. He is the name above uh, above uh, above uh, cancer. He is the name above poverty. His name will defeat every enemy that comes against us in America, in France, in England in South America, in Central America, in Africa. Jesus is the name above any name. Can I have an amen? Look what he says. Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now look at verse 13. This is my main verse. Now when they saw the boldness, of Peter and John. When they saw the boldness, they saw the boldness. These men knew what they did to Jesus. They knew that the threatening was, if you talk about Jesus, we'll do it to you. And they stood up, said, you may kill the body, but you cannot kill the spirit. You may attack the flesh, but you cannot destroy the soul. And when they stood up, everybody say stood up. When they stood up, look what the Bible says. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. These men knew that Jesus had influenced their life, not because of their education, not because of their slick tricks, not because of their gimmicks, not because of anything. They knew they'd been with Jesus because the same boldness that was on Jesus Christ was on the ones who were following him. Let me say that again. The same boldness that was on Jesus Christ. When Jesus stood before Pilate and Pilate said, if you'll say the right words, I'll let you go. Jesus said, I am the son of man. If you'll say the right words, you won't get whipped, you won't get beaten, you won't get crucified. I am the son of the living God. When they saw these followers, the boldness on these followers that was on Jesus, who could have quit at any time, who said at one time, Father, I know what they're going to do to me. I know what they're going to, if I say yes to this, they're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. They're going to torture me. Father, if there be some other way, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, he saw Larry Huck 32 years ago sticking a needle of heroin and cocaine in his vein. But he saw him a year later kneeling at the altar and saying, Jesus, if you're real, be real to me. And Jesus said for me and he said for you, nonetheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he was so afraid in the flesh that he sweat blood. He may have sweat blood. 
blood, but he didn't back down for the world. He sweat blood, but he wasn't a coward. And when they saw the boldness on Jesus, you know, I heard this years and years ago when I first got saved. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to find you guilty? Would all your people at work say, yeah, he's always praying, he's always talking about the Lord, she's always praying over the meal, asking if, we, if they, she can pray for us or he can pray for us. If you were arrested today for being a Christian, would there be enough, if they brought in your neighbors and they brought in the ones you work for, they brought in the kids you go to school with, they brought the people you sit next to in your desk in math or science, and they said, this, this man, this woman is accused of being a Christian. What would the witnesses say? Well, not that I know of. Or would they say, guilty. He's always praying. She's always praising God. Always talking about Jesus. Would there be enough evidence to find us guilty? See, the first character, when God gave me this series to speak on, the, on, on dress for success from the inside out, The first one that God gave me was to put on the garment of boldness. See, I I think we need to remember today that the devil is not only a liar, but the devil is a really, really good liar. Now, if the devil came in, you know, if the devil came in and he had red long johns on and a hump back and horns and a pitchfork and, and a pointed tail... You know, we'd say, oh, we're not listening to him. We're not going to listen to him. That's the devil. But sometimes the devil has a three-piece suit on. Sometimes the devil has designer jeans on. One of the things that the devil has done well is to say that weakness and Christianity go hand in hand. First off, let me, let me remind you that Jesus wasn't weak. Now, we get that because of certain scriptures that are taught, and to be honest with you, the way certain Christians act, certain pastors act. You know, kind of when, you know, when, when, when I was looking for God, and I was looking for God for, for quite a while before I found Jesus, but I didn't look in the church, and I got to be honest with you, the, one of the reasons I didn't look in church is because men or males that I knew that call themselves Christians. My Jesus is standing in the temple and watching the religious people, who, which is true in Judaism, in some Judaism is true in some Christianity. And they're turning the house of God into a den of thieves. And I see Jesus sit, standing there watching these leaders rip God's people off. And he's braiding a whip He didn't just grab something and get angry. He's braiding a whip. He's steaming. And he goes in and kicks over the tables and knocks off the money changers' uh, uh, booze and stuff. And he says, you're turning my father's house, shall be called the house of prayer, and you're turning it into a den of thieves. That's no weakling. There was a time that they went to grab him and they were going to throw him off a cliff. And my Bible says he walked through the midst of them. Our God's a man. 
Our God's a tough man. We hear the scripture out of Matthew where Jesus himself said, the meek shall inherit the earth. And somehow we, 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 we take that to mean that, that meekness is weakness. But that's not what it means. The word meek literally means modest, humble, considerate, not to abuse the God-given power to treat all people with honor and respect. Jesus loved everybody. He didn't care if you were a prostitute or a leader of the business. He didn't care if you were a drug addict or a leader of the, of the temple. Jesus loved everybody. But still in that love, his meekness was not weakness. You know, one of the great examples as I was studying this in, in, in Hebrew is the great example that, that God gives us. If you have time, I want to turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Now, this story is about Moses transferring the leadership to Joshua. I believe that's talking about the end time transfer that you and I are part of right now. Moses is about to pass leadership on. Look at Deuteronomy 31 verse 1. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy the nations from before you, and you shall dispose, uh, dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord had said. And the Lord will do to them as he did in Shion, Og, and the kings of the Amorites in their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Now look at verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He, he will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in front of all of Israel, Be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to your fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. Now here this leadership is being changed. Moses is backing away. Moses is 120 years old. And first God speaks to the people through Moses. And he reminds them of victories in battles that they faced before and the victories God gave them. He says to the people, no matter what you see ahead of you, no matter what you see in the future, I told you I'm giving you the land. Remember, no matter how big the enemy looks, be strong and full of courage. You saw me beat the enemy in the past, and I will beat the enemy for you in the, in the future. I will not leave you or not forsake you. Now look at this. In English, it says, be strong and of good courage. In Hebrew, it's the word hazak ve-e-mawetz. Hazak ve-e-mawetz. And it literally means, the literal translation in Hebrew is, be strong, be hard, and be victorious. The word hagzek means be strong and be hard. The rabbis say it's as a piece of metal that's gone through the fire. The metal was soft before it was tempered by the fire, but now it's so strong that no matter how many times it gets hit, 
it doesn't even get dented. This is also repeated with Peter in 1 Peter 1, 7, where he says, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold, though it's tested by fire. I don't know about you, but that scripture always bothered me until I understood it. It's saying rejoice because you're being, going through a trial. The devil's beating the, the, the tar out of me. And he says, your trial that you've gone through is more precious than gold because you've been tested by fire. This comes out of that teaching where God was train, taking leadership from Moses and putting it to Joshua. What's that, what's that mean? What it means is you've seen me win before. You've seen me beat the enemy before. You've seen me destroy the enemy when he looked bigger than you and stronger than you and mightier than you. But now this is different because before I beat the enemy in the wilderness, now I'm taking you for the last part of the journey into the promised land. And you are so strong now. You are so hardened now that no matter what the enemy does to you on this last part of the journey, you're not, you're not, you're not going to be knocked down. You're not even going to be dented. That's how tough you are. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Now watch this. The second part is ve'e mawitz, which is the word that we have the word in English, victorious. Listen to what the rabbis say. This victory, this requires great, great boldness in order to walk in the victory that God has for you. Victory does not come by being timid or by hesitating. Victory is a result of great courage. It's a result of having so much faith that your God will destroy your enemy that you stand boldly looking your enemy straight in the eye. Your ve'e mawitz, your, your supernatural victory, is the way you straightforward challenge your enemy and never back down. You know, I was thinking about that, and, and forgive me if Christians aren't supposed to enjoy this, but I love boxing. I, I love boxing. And, and I love when those guys get out in the ring. You ever see two boxers get in the ring and the referees tell them now, you know, I want a clean fight. And you know, the first one who flinches is losing. That's what, that's what God is saying that you do to your enemy. You stand him eyeball to eyeball. You stare him down. You let him know you're not afraid. <laughs> You let him know why. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Now listen to me. That being like a boxer, being like a warrior, when you've done all the stand, stand. You stand up and look the enemy. You look debt right in the eye. You look cancer right in the eye. You look divorce right in the eye. You look racism right in the eye. You look Islam right in the eye. And saying we ain't bowing down. For yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because our God's the baddest dude in the valley. Can I have an amen? You get bold in who you are. 
The devil said, who do you think you are? In what name, just like they did with Peter and the disciples, in what name do you preach this? Let it be known to the world. Let it be known to Washington, D.C. Let it be known to Wall Street. Let it be known to Iran and Iraq. Let it be known to the world. We stand in the name that is above all names. We're not ashamed. As a matter of fact, we're excited for his name is above every other other name. Somebody ought to shout amen. He says, you are to stand boldly knowing that God is standing in front of you. My intentions, he said, as letting the enemy know, my intentions are openly known to you. You are my enemy and in the name of the Lord, I will annihilate you. Everything we put our hands to, God is going to cause it to prosper. We are more than conquerors. How many know what a bully is? Now, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody to go fist fight. Everybody say amen. But every dad, every day, have you ever come home and your son has been picked on by a bully? What does every dad, every grandpa, every Saba say? Now, son, I don't want you fighting. But the next time, I want you to clean his clock. My grand sugars come home and they might tell me some, but you know what a bully is? A bully's only a bully until you stand up to him. That's why the devil is a roaring lion looking for whom he may. Who, get, who gives him the, 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 the permission to destroy him. You know what happens with a bully? A bully's a bully for those who he can bully. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I remember one time in school, this, there was this guy who was a bully. And there's this other guy. He was a little guy in school. And, and this guy always picking on him and always embarrassing him and always. And finally, this kid had enough. And he was like half the size of this guy. And he said, you know something? He said, you may whip me. But I guarantee you, when this fight's over, you're going to say to yourself, it was not worth it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? That's what you need to do. You need to understand who you are. You are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. A joint heir. You're not God's little boy. You're not God's little girl. You're not a second cousin. You are a joint heir, a brother with Jesus Christ. And the devil needs to get up, make his plans tomorrow, and look at you and go, you know what? I could probably knock him around a little bit, but it ain't worth the pain. I hate that. Well, you got to turn the other cheek. I got two cheeks. God tells us the same thing. Look at this. In Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. Now, let me stop right there. We have been taught wrong in American Christianity, in European Christianity, how to approach God. He said, I want you to come boldly. 
I've I've used this before. I could be up there praying for the sick. I could be up there doing a radio interview. I could all of a sudden my door opens. Boom. Here comes my grand sugars. They're four years old. Saba, Saba, look, look. Uh, Honey, I'm on the phone. Excuse me, Saba. Excuse me. Look at my, look at my, I'm Power Ranger. They don't ask for permission. They just come boldly. Why? Because they know they have favor with Saba. The God, the religion tells you, a lot of religion tells you, you can't even get to God. You got to have somebody behind some kind of curtain go before you. Well, you know what? This ain't the wizard of Oz. This is God almighty. Come boldly. Now watch this. Therefore, having boldness, everybody shout boldness boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, who am I? Who am I that I would come before God? I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of God paid for in full. It is finished by the blood of Jesus Christ. Quit hanging out in the outer room. Come boldly and look at God eyeball to eyeball. Now, see, we're told we're told we can't do that. But you got to understand, number one, God's Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. There's a great, great, great rabbi. It's what, who Paul the Apostle would have studied under his teaching. Jesus would have studied under teaching. His name is Hillel. Listen to what he says. A bashful person will never be successful in studying the Torah, the Word of God. Because a person who is successful in understanding God must be bold enough to challenge and debate what's being said. I want you to come boldly. You know, Joseph would go, you know, we think it's, it's, it's rude to do that. But in Judaism, you got a challenge. Well, what about this and what about that? We see, him doing, we, see, we see him doing that with God. Moses did that with God. God, you said. God said, okay. That's what he said. God, I'm paying my tithes. Lord, I'm giving the offering besides. Open up the windows of heaven. Pour me out a blessing. Right? Come boldly. Joshua and Caleb said, give me my mountain. It's not disrespect. God loves it when his children have confidence that he will do exactly what he says he'll do. There's a Jewish word. There's a word in, in, in it's, it's Yiddish is a word, Jewish word, chutzpah. Have you ever heard of that? That guy's got real chutzpah. That means, boy, he's got an edge to him. He's got, a, he's got chutzpah. He's got, boy, he's, he's bold or she's bold. They got, they got chutzpah. And if you think of the people God uses, he doesn't use perfect people. He uses people who have chutzpah. They got some boldness to them. I mean, you look at the people God used. Moses. Moses had a few, a few minor faults, like murder. Just a little blemish. But he goes before Pharaoh and he says, God told me to tell you. Pharaoh, we're afraid to witness to our our family. We're afraid to tell our family, you know what? You better vote biblically and not politically. You better, we're, oh, what if they get mad at me? Well, if they get mad at you, at least the blood won't be on your hands. You got to have some chutzpah. Amen? Amen. 
What if Moses would have gone, um, uh, Mr. Pharaoh, sir, um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, it may be a good idea if perhaps you would consider the possibility of... No, he said, let my people go. You know what's, you know what, one, one thing that's wrong with America? Our enemies don't fear us anymore. You blow up our building... We're blowing up your country. If, 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 they, if a bully thinks they can just keep doing it, they're going to keep doing it. But it's going to cost. You don't come in and kill our people. You also don't come in and kill our babies. David had a few problems. When you say David had a few problems, murder, adultery, treachery. But David, God says, David is a man who has a heart like mine. Think about that. Why? Because David, 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 David comes to bring, David wasn't even considered. When, when, when the, the prophet told David's dad, one of your sons are going to be king, dad didn't even consider bringing David in. Because he, he is a runt. He was the least likely. But David shows up one day and all of God's soldiers, all of God's army, which is the church, have a Goliath in front of them challenging them to do what's right. David's not a soldier. David's no big shot. David's bringing the lunch. He's a delivery boy. He's a, he's a sandwich delivery boy. But he sees all of the ones who ought to be doing right. He sees the preachers that ought to be standing up that's right. The children of God, the army of God that ought to be. And what are they doing? They're hiding in their tent being popular. And David comes up and says, what's going on? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who has no covenant with God? Then all of a sudden, David here says, what? Say that again? If I kill him, what's in it for me? My family's taxes will go away? You got to be bold to go into business for yourself. You got to be bold when the devil says your business is going under. You say, my business is not going under. You got to be bold when the devil says you're not going to make it. Say, I am going to be make it. But this also happens to tie in for where we are right now. Goliath is up there threatening us, threatening the children of God. You got to understand, but greater is he. It doesn't matter how big that Goliath looks. If you'll just grab a stone, which is part of the word of God, and throw it at the enemy. That enemy, that Goliath didn't go down because David was an Olympic-style rock flinger. Goliath went down because God's just looking for somebody to do what's right, and when we do our best, he'll super-turbocharge our words, and he'll do the rest. Can I have an amen? 
You look at Peter. Peter had a, you know, I know that Jesus wasn't supposed to have favorites, but I believe Peter was Jesus' favorite. And Peter blew it. See, I don't know about you, but I blow it once in a while. Peter was always opening mouth and inserting foot. Did you ever notice Peter? But the thing of it is, is Peter always tried to do what's right. When they came to arrest Jesus, I want to know, where were the other disciples? Peter at least grabbed the sword. Now, I've heard all kinds of teachings on Peter that, that when somebody lost their, their ear, they weren't allowed to minister in the temple. Listen, Peter was not one of the three musketeers. Peter was a fisherman. He didn't go... Nip the ear so he couldn't minister. Peter was going for the head. I mean, they're coming to arrest Jesus. They're soldiers. Peter grabbed, Peter didn't walk around with the sword. He grabs one of the guy's swords, goes for the head, gets the ear. Now, Jesus had to put the ear back on. You know, I always, I, I'm a firm believer that God will not bless our nothing. God will bless what you put your hands to. He'll turn our wrongs into rights, but he'll never turn your nothing into something. You got to have boldness so God can bless what you're doing. Can I have an amen? Let me finish with this. Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are bold as lions. How many of you are the righteous of God? Listen to me. Quit being embarrassed for being a born. Quit being embarrassed because you don't fornicate. Quit being embarrassed because you don't, you don't vote for somebody that's pro-abortion. Quit being embarrassed because you don't agree with Hollywood. Quit being embarrassed because you're moral. Quit being embarrassed because you're saving yourself for your marriage, young people. Quit being embarrassed. Oh, you're one of those Christians. You better believe I'm a Christian. And buddy, the reason why your business is blessed is because of my God. Matter of fact, You ought to tell your boss, the only reason this business is going is because I'm working here. When Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I need leaders. In, it was in Numbers, Numbers 11, I think it is. Moses says to the Lord, Lord, I need leaders. And, 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 and God says, your, your translation says, get me 70 men for leaders. But you do know, and I won't, I don't have time. I got to close. But that word is in English is men, but in, in Hebrew was not men. It's the word man. And the question comes up, why did God say, get me 70 man? And without getting in all the detail, because this word man means the two characters of God. Get me men, get, pick out this man, this man, and in our case, women who have my character. What's the character of God? Well, it's gentleness, it's meekness, it's love, it's kind, it's mercy, it's forgiveness, but also it's something else. In Exodus 15, 3, the Bible says, the Lord is a man of war. We're to love our enemies. We're to pray for those who don't understand how wonderful God is. But if they come and they try to steal or change what our lives, our families, our nations are built on, 
which is the name of Jesus Christ and the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we need to have those same characteristics. We need to be gentle and meek and under control, but we also need to be understand that we are the army of the Lord and our God is a warring God that fights for you and we need to rise up and fight for him so that the world can be a better place. Can I have an amen? I close with this. Matthew 11, verse 12, says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But the violent, not the passive, not the weak, not the wishy-washy, but the violent will take it by force. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, those of us who know the Lord. And if we don't make our voice heard, Jesus himself said, what good are we but to be trampled underfoot by men? If you and I don't stand for what is righteous, if we don't stand for what is biblical, I guarantee those who don't make the right stand are going to be walked on by men. They're going to be trampled underfoot. They've taken our Ten Commandments. They've taken our ability to pray publicly. They're trying to take our free speech. They're trying to take our nation and say we're not a Christian nation anymore. But I I dare declare to the devil what Satan's meant for evil. God is going to use it for good. Because I see Catholics and Protestants and Jews joining together for the first time in 1,700 years. And I'm sorry, Satan. You threw rock at the bear. You've woke him up. We're going to be bold as a lion.